this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth I will arise and go forth to the house of my young, house of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Welcome back to our study on the Hebraic Roots of Christianity. We are doing a study series entitled Torah and the New Testament. And we're going through the New Testament. We started with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we also look at Acts, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 15. And now we're going through Paul's writings, his letters. We've already covered Romans and Galatians. And in this session, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 2 and what specifically there we're going to look at are some key verses that Christians like to quote to try to make the claim that we're not supposed to follow the Torah anymore. So the verses that we're going to be looking at from Ephesians in chapter 2 are verses 13 through 17. It says, but now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were far off are made near by the blood of Messiah. For he is our peace, and he has made both one. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, to make in himself of the two one new man, so making peace. So verse 15 is a key verse. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. And that's often interpreted to mean following the Torah. We will explain what that means. In verse 16 and 17, that he might recognize reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace to you which were far off and those who are near. So we're going to look at those verses as well as looking at Colossians in chapter 2. And we're going to examine beginning in verse 2 through verse 22. But the key verses here is verses 14 through 17 which says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances against us that was contrary to us. And so once again, this is meant or this is interpreted, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, it's interpreted to mean the Torah that was against this contrary and he nailed it to the cross. And so it's interpreted that he nailed the law to the cross. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or respect of a holy day, the new moon or the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come. So they say, you see the law, it's a shadow. And then they say these things, see, you're not supposed to judge 
use of these things. And so these are key verses now that we're going to look at from a Hebraic first century Torah perspective. And so we begin in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 46. It says, If they sin against you, for there is no man that sins not, and you be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they carry them away captive. It's talking about the nation of Israel being in exile. And the northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom by the Babylonians. Carry them away captive under the land of their enemy far or near. So in scattering his people and the nations, they're described as being far and near. And this phrase is used in Daniel in chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 7 where it reads, O Lord, righteousness belongs unto you, but unto us confusion of face as it is the stake. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that would be the Jewish people, and all Israel, that would be the northern kingdom, that are near and far off through all the countries where you've driven them. So the men of Judah and Jerusalem are near throughout all the countries where you've driven them. In other words, they're near. You can identify them, who they are, where they're at. And all Israel, well, they're far off. They're not identifiable. And so the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, the Jews are near. The northern kingdom, the house of Israel, Ephraim, the ten tribes or the house of Joseph are far off. So Paul uses these terms in Ephesians in chapter 2 in verse 13 where he says, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, but now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were far off, that's the northern kingdom, that's the ten tribes, are made near by the blood of Messiah. Verse 17, he came and he preached peace to those who were far off, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, Ephraim, the house of Joseph, and to those that were near, that is the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or the Jews, because that's who the new covenant was made with, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, northern kingdom, and the house of Judah, southern kingdom. And it was the house of Israel and the house of Judah that departed from the Torah that was given at Mount Sinai by Yeshua. And so now he's coming to bring forth reconciliation from them departing from the covenant and them departing from the lawgiver. And so then in Ephesians chapter 2, the end of verse 15, he says, making of the two, those who are far off and those who are near, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, he's making of those two one new man. So the one new man is northern kingdom and southern kingdom being reconciled through the redemptive work of Messiah because they broke the covenant at Mount Sinai. This is who he's making into a new man. How's he making them into a new man? Well, he's forgiving them of their sins when they repent from violating the Torah or breaking the Torah when they accept Yeshua in his shed blood for the forgiveness of their sins, trusting in him, making him Savior and Lord. Then he gives the indwelling Holy Spirit so that they can follow his Torah by his Spirit and then love him and keep his commandments. That's the new man that he has made. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, it says, and that he might reconcile both unto God. He's reconciling northern kingdom and southern kingdom unto God in one body by the cross. And so not only did Yeshua reconcile northern kingdom and southern kingdom who broke the covenant that was given at Mount Sinai,
Sinai by Yeshua, the lawgiver. But in doing so, Yeshua reconciled the world. Second Corinthians in chapter 5 in verse 19. To wit, that God was in Messiah reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing there the world's trespasses against them. So that is why even though the new covenant was unto the house of Israel and the house of Judah, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, the terms and the conditions of the new covenant was made available to the entire world if they would accept the terms and the conditions of it. What is the terms and the conditions? Repent of your sins, accept Yeshua as the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why it says in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16 that Yeshua might reconcile both unto the Father, unto God, in one body, by him dying on the tree, having slain the enmity. That means the hatred between them. You see, northern kingdom and southern kingdom didn't get along. And historically, they never got along. And the prophecy that ultimately, in the fullness of their restoration, in their reconciliation, it says in Isaiah, in chapter 11, and verse 13, the envy of Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom's shall depart. The adversaries of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, the Jewish people, will be cut off. Ephraim will not envy Judah, and Judah will not vex Ephraim. And so the prophecy is that the enmity between Ephraim and Judah, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, would be no more. And this is what Yeshua did when he died on the tree. And also what separates us from God is when we sin. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2, it says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And then in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says God commanded his love toward us that while we were yet sinners Messiah died for us. And so sin separates us from God. Northern kingdom and southern kingdom sin. They broke the covenant. They departed from the Torah. And so it's the heart of God to bring reconciliation restoration to those who depart from him and his ways. And so while we were even sinners Sinners, Messiah died for us. And now, Ephesians in chapter 2 and the first part of verse 15, a key verse, it says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Well, this has been interpreted to mean the Torah, but the Greek word ordinances is dogma. It's the Strong's number 1378 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. And dogma is a term that is used for the decrees of kings and it's a term that's used for the decrees or the rulings of man man-made commandments man-made decrees and we can see the use of this word dogma which is translated as ordinances in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 15 in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 it says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree a dogma from Caesar Augustus ordinances is a decree of a king Acts chapter 17 verse 7. When Jason had received and these all the due contrary to the decrees, the dogma of Caesar. So ordinances are decrees. Man-made commandments. Decrees. And so that being the case, that is also what is found. And we're going to go now to Colossians. Uh, Colossians in chapter 2 and in verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances and the word ordinances is also a reference to 
through man-made doctrines and man-made decrees. And so we're going to look at that in context. We begin in Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So the subject is man enticing you with words. Now verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of man. Watch out for any man that comes in and says enticing words and giving you philosophies after the traditions of men, after the things of the world, and not after the Messiah. And so the context in Colossians 2 is Paul talking about people who's teaching you the traditions of men, the ways of the world, and then he says that Messiah has blotted out ordinances, dogma. What is that? That's the things that this man is doing, giving you the philosophies and the commandments of men. That's what he's blotted out. And those things, the, the philosophies and the commandments and the decrees of men that were against us, that's contrary to the Torah, the Word of God. And that's what he removed in nailing it to the cross. And that's the man, the man who's beguiling you with enticing words. The man, in verse 8, that's coming unto you after the traditions of men, after the things of the world that's contrary to Messiah. That is those things that's being blotted out. That's the dogma that's being blotted out in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. And now speaking again of this man, verse 16, let no man judge you in context. Who is the man that's judging you? It's a man that's coming in and judging you according to the philosophies and the doctrines of men, the ways of the world. Let not that person come in and judge you in what you are doing when you're trying to follow your faith. Let him not judge you in meat and in drink. Let him not come and tell you, oh, you're not doing that right. And let him not judge you in the holy days. That's the annual festivals or the new moon or the Sabbath. So it's talking about man-made traditions and the philosophies of this world and enticing words. They're coming in and they're judging you regarding how you follow the Torah in meat and in drink, how you are keeping the Sabbath and the new moon and the holy days. And so this is the context. It's this man and the man-made philosophies. That is what Yeshua is nailing to the cross. And then he goes on to say that the meat, the drink, the Sabbath and the annual holidays in the new moon, they are a shadow or they are a blueprint of something to come. To come is future. So what Paul is explaining here is the Sabbath and the annual festivals, that is Passover through Shavuot or Pentecost through Tabernacles or Sukkot in Hebrew and the new moon and food and drink. These things were given because Torah means teaching and instruction. These things were given to teach you about things to come. That would be the second coming of the Messiah. How many of you been taught how the Sabbath teaches you about the second coming of the Messiah? The new moon teaches you about the second coming of the Messiah? How Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles teaches you about the second coming of the Messiah? How eating clean foods teaches you about the second coming of the Messiah? Well, they do. And Paul says that they are a blueprint of things to come. But the body or the substance, the heart of the Sabbath, the heart of the new moon, the heart of Passover, the heart of Pentecost, the heart of Tabernacles, the heart of eating clean foods, the heart of these things is all given to teach you 
you about Messiah, who he is in our personal relationship with him. These aren't things that by doing them we're getting into bondage. Bondage is sin. Sin is transgressing the Torah. And so what Yeshua is nailing to the cross is man-made decrees, the traditions of men, the philosophies of man. And so Paul then makes this association clear about who this man is and his dogma in Colossians chapter 2 verse 20 it says wherefore if you be dead with Messiah from the rudiments of this world in other words you're not following the ways of the world you're not following the traditions of men you're not following after the decrees of men then why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to ordinances and this is the word dogmatizo which is associated with dogma it's a, a word associated with dogma and so why are you subjugating yourself to ordinances it's one of two things it's not following the Torah the way he gave it especially following Torah by his spirit but you're allowing man to come in and to say well you're supposed to do it this way you're supposed to do it that way that's one way of these ordinances that he's referring to but the other thing he's referring to is the Pharisaic rabbinic Judaism that influenced Paul's world and those who believed in Messiah and it's this issue that he's primarily addressing in his letter showing the difference between believing in Messiah who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai and following his Torah by his spirit versus following Pharisaic rabbinic Judaism who don't acknowledge that Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai don't see Yeshua in the Torah hasn't accepted that he's Messiah and Pharisaic rabbinic Judaism looks to the rabbis to interpret the Torah and they believe that the rulings of the rabbis are binding upon the people and that's not as Paul's explaining through the life of Abraham and through knowing Yeshua in the Torah that's not the way you're supposed to follow the Torah so he goes on to say why do you subjugate yourself to ordinances dogma Colossians 2.22 after the commandments and doctrines of men so Yeshua nailed the commandments and the doctrines of men not the Torah to the cross you see in the sayings of the fathers Pirkei Avot 1.1 Pharisaic Judaism today Orthodox Judaism sometimes shortened to Judaism they say that you should make a fence a protective fence around the Torah and then in the Talmud in Pesahim 115a they say where you have a scriptural commandment and a rabbinical decree conflicts with the scriptural commandment it says the rabbinical decree or dogma comes and nullifies the written one and so Paul's coming against these this rabbinical dogma where they believe they have the authority to nullify the meaning of the written Torah and so the phrase the tradition of the fathers means the decrees the rulings of the rabbis also called the oral law in Josephus in antiquities 13.10.6 it says the Pharisees have delivered to the people a great many observances by secession from their fathers or they believe it was translated from Mount Sinai generation to generation to the modern generation which they say instructions that are not written in the first five books and for that reason the Sadducees who they were in charge of the temple rejected them that is the Pharisees in their rabbinic oral law interpretations and say that we are only to observe those things that are written but not to observe the things that are derived from the rulings of the rabbis or the tradition of our forefathers and so this is a question that was asked of Yeshua regarding 
regarding his disciples in Matthew in chapter 15 and verse 2. Why do you transgress the tradition of the elders? It means the rulings of the rabbis, the dogma, the rulings of the rabbis. It, he wasn't asking why do you transgress following the written Torah because one of their dogmas was you must wash your hands before you eat. So Yeshua answered in verse 3, why do you transgress the commandment of God, the written commandment of God by your tradition, by your rabbinical decree and your interpretation of the written text? Showing in verse 4 that the written text says honor your father and your mother and showing how their interpretation violates the heart of the written text. So he says in Matthew chapter 15 verse 9, in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, you might say dogma, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That's what Yeshua nailed to the tree, the commandments of men. So Matthew chapter 23, it says Yeshua in verse 2 said that the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they're making rulings according to the Torah for the people. They're making rabbinical decrees. But he says in Matthew 23, 4 that they put heavy burdens upon the people, upon their shoulders. Well, Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, that following his Torah is light. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says that he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What's that middle wall? Once again, in Josephus Antiquities 15.11.5, it says in the temple, the second temple, in the western quarter, there were four gates. There was then the first gate, and not far from it, the second gate, and you would go up a few steps, and it was surrounded, encompassed by a stone wall with a partition. And what it said on the, the partition, there was the writing that said that a non-Jew should not go past this point under pain of death. And so this was man-made. God didn't instruct there to be a wall up there and say that a non-Jew can't go any farther. That was put up by men. And so this is a complaint against Paul in Acts chapter 21, verse 27. When seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were in Asia, when they saw him in the temple, they stirred up the people and they laid hands upon him in verse 28, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that brought non-Jews, that brought Greeks into the temple. And they polluted this place because, see, they had this man-made wall that was put up there and said, hey, non-Jews are not allowed to go any farther than this. And so they accused Paul of bringing someone past that wall. And they got upset about it. Acts chapter 21, verse 30. And all the city was moved. And the people ran together. And they took Paul and they drew him out of the temple. And forthwith the door was shut. And they got so outraged about it. In Acts 21, 31, they went about to kill him. But he had to be rescued by the Roman soldiers. And so this wall in the temple was man-made. And dogma, these ordinances that Messiah, that he nailed to the cross, these are man-made decrees, either by the rabbis, either by kings, or either by the traditions of men. And so that's what these verses are referring to in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. That is what was nailed to the tree. It was not the Torah that was nailed to the tree, because Yeshua gave the Torah. He's the lawgiver. And sin is transgressing the Torah. So he's not going to nail or do away with the Torah when he gave the Torah. But instead, we're to follow his Torah by his spirit. And we love him if we keep his commandments. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. 
If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, Prince of Peace. Amen.